0: Shut up, and sit down. Welcome to another episode of Business Bra- This is another addition to the nonsense series and today we're joined by Ray Teasdale from professionaltaxservice.com who's going to help talk to us a little bit about the new tax law changes. So if you're interested in what's going to happen in 2018 with the new tax laws, pay attention. It's a good show. As always, we're here to be of service to you and bring you the most relevant information we possibly can. So enjoy the show. By the way, uh, it might sound a little funny because we had some technical difficulties and I actually had to dial into the webinar. So uh, it might sound a little different, but at least you'll know what part is the interview and what part is the intro. Enjoy the show. Boom. All right, so uh, after a few technical difficulties, we got this one off and rolling. We got Mr. Ray Teasdale. Uh, Ray's an old college buddy of mine. Uh, not old and in, pun intended. It's just been a long time since I've been to college. That's <laughs> sort of old. So uh, uh, Ray's background is in taxes and uh financial planning, so uh, I thought I'd get him on the call here and talk a little bit of taxes now that we're rounding out the end of the year, see what kind of insight he's got for us. So, Ray, welcome to the Business Bros.
1: Well, thanks, Hernan. I appreciate it, man. <clears throat> I appreciate you uh, asking me to join in on your your tax talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, when I think of taxes, I usually think of Ray, so that's, that's usually where I go to. Um, I know there are people who go who come my way, and then when I have harder questions, I go your way. So just so you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you, um, there I don't think there is such a thing as a simple tax question.
0: Now with the volume,
1: I I have a real easy question. I have a real easy question. Uh, Well, when you're talking taxes, (laughs) I don't think there's such a thing as an easy question.
0: I think it's because there's no real answer. There's there's can you argue your answer more than is there, you know, a definitive yes or no for the most part?
1: Exactly. They will not give us a definitive yes or no. They want to leave it open to interpretation. So when, when Congress writes these tax laws or I should say when all their aides write the tax laws, um they must take a class on ambiguity or something like that to make sure we can write these <laughs> as, Uh so they can be interpreted ten different ways, and all of them can be correct. <clears throat> right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And and uh, you're one of those guys who gets to, uh, who I, I should say gets to, who's been blessed to argue before the courts at the uh, with the IRS. So I'm sure you've had your fair share of uh, what you think is right, what they think is right, and how you justify.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, being a, I'm an enrolled agent, as you know, and um, as an enrolled agent, we're the, the quote, uh, subject matter experts when it comes to taxation, according to the United States Department of Treasury, uh, who the IRS works for. So it's funny that, you know, in, in this nation, um, everybody's required to file a tax return. Most people pay somebody to file their tax return form because it's so complicated, However, there's there's absolutely zero educational requirements for people to prepare taxes on a federal level. That's yeah. absolutely absurd in my opinion. And, well, uh, the
0: state has a requirement, but it's not very strict. Let's say the continuing education in the uh, in the state of California side is more like a money grab than a actual hold you is. down to the all wire. All
1: they want is the revenue grab. That's it. All they want is the what is it, the 80 bucks you have to pay for your P-TEN or your, your c Tech or something like that? It's, yep. Uh, yep. In California, it's all, about, it's all about money. I think Oregon has the same thing. I think it was California and Oregon were the only two states in the union that required any kind of, of continuing continuing education, initial education or continuing education. However, with yeah. uh, in CPAs, and this is what's interesting, CPAs, most people think CPAs are, are experts in taxation. Well, uh, Hernan, when you went to school, you took the entire uh, accounting tract. And in that track, do you remember how many classes you took that had to do a taxation?
0: Uh, two.
1: Exactly. <laughs> a personal? What, a personal?
0: Yeah, and, and it wasn't <laughs> very in-depth either.
1: And, and that's the extent of tax training that CPAs have. Right. That's just amazing. Not, but their marketing arm is so good, everybody automatically thinks, CPA, oh, this guy, they know what they're doing, right? And, uh, but anyways, my whole point with going off on that tangent was enrolled agents. As a member of the National Association of Enrolled Agents, which is an organization that I've uh, been a member of in years past. It's my first year. I haven't renewed my subscription. But uh, we lobby Congress, and we lobby Congress on what we want tax law to look like. And we lobbied Congress, and we were successful in lobbying Congress in that uh, every taxpayer had to be registered. Every taxpayer had to have a minimum uh, initial education and continuing education every year, and then every tax practitioner back in Virginia, I think it was, uh, sued and said, "No, you can't do that." And how they won, I have no clue. But the basic gist <laughs> was that the Internal Revenue Service had overstepped their bounds in uh, in making it a mandatory requirement that tax preparers actually be educated. That's crazy, that's absolutely
0: nuts. Yeah. So, well well it, it's crazy because of how how big it can affect you you know if you if you hire somebody to do your tax return, and believe it, believe me, I mean in the day and age where you have things like uh like h and r blocks or turbo taxes or whatever it is, uh you could literally make the prompt say whatever you want it to say. you just flip the question in the other direction. So, you know whether you're whether you're doing it yourself or you're paying somebody who's who's learned to flip the question in the direction that'll make your number go higher, I mean, those have big effects. I mean, you can come back and those are you become fraudulent returns. They can end up being audited for multiple years back. You know, then you start think, losing things like uh, whatever deductions you may have thought you've had in previous years that you thought were legit, now you have to justify, and because you can't justify, they're gone, and you get hit with penalties and interest. I mean, it has a long-term effect. There's a long-tail effect when it comes to filing your tax returns correctly.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and I mean, it's bad enough when you file. The IRS makes mistakes on a regular basis, right? And I, I'll give you one example of a client of mine two years ago. He's retired, he has five five 1099-Rs, right? So when you receive a pension, as you know, uh, you you receive a a tax form at the end of the year called the 1099-R for for a retirement pension. It's either a pension or an IRA or 401k or some kind of savings plan like that that you have income coming out of. And this gentleman had five five different ones. We prepared his tax return, sent everything in, and he gets a letter from the IRS probably about, I don't know, three, four months later, says uh, you owe 3,500 bucks. And he called me up, and he's like, Ray, how come I owe the IRS money? And I said, Pat, you don't owe the IRS money. He goes, well, that's not what they're saying. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, this is my standard line. If you ever get a letter from the IRS, if if you're one of my clients and you get a letter from the IRS, the first thing you should do is send me a copy of that letter before you do anything else. Open it up, read it, and send me me a copy, and let me know it's on its way. And long, long story short, Hernan, is this guy had five 1099-Rs. The IRS saw all the taxable income on all five 1099 hours, but somehow they missed the federal withholding on two of the 1099s. Now, ah,
0: so he had been paying tax, but the IRS forgot to count that credit for him.
1: Exactly. How convenient for the IRS, right? Right. Because most people, when they get a letter from the IRS, there's, there's an intimidation factor the IRS has that is very real. And people just oh, yeah. assume that they are correct when they send you a letter. And, and it's uh, not and always times, the case. What was
0: that? It's not always the case.
1: Oh, not even, not even close. I'd say fifty-fifty. And my my track record, I'd say fifty-fifty. So, um, uh, you know, the IRS has this this computer matching system that that is, um, I guess, classified for lack of a better term. It's nobody really knows how it functions. But what this system does is it assigns. Points to different parts of your tax return. So if you have uh, a large mortgage interest deduction and maybe a lower amount of income coming in, then it's going to add a number, a higher number of points to your tax return. If you have, you know, five kids and you get the Earned Income Tax Credit because you don't make enough money, uh, that's going to add more points to your tax return, or more points to your file. And when you, once you pass a certain level of points, that's when it triggers an audit. But nobody knows exactly what adds up to the points. What the points add up are, right? So
0: we yeah, can with the values. Of-
1: you know, we can speculate. And and I have one client, for example. Every year he comes in, he's a self-employed gentleman. Every year he comes in, and uh, he's lucky if he makes seven or eight thousand dollars a year profit in his business. But yet he pays uh, over twelve thousand dollars a year in mortgage interest and property taxes. And he's been doing this for well over five years now and i have no idea how he has not been audited yet <laughs> and every year I, you know, I said dan you're an audit waiting to happen because you're you're reporting on your tax return that you're spending uh probably 50 percent more than what you make every single year
0: yeah that, is, so that doesn't funny. that doesn't jive
1: you can't sustain that right so <clears throat> right um so you know it's kind of funny how people look at tax returns differently some people uh, don't care for them, and they don't do them, and they wait for five or ten years, and then do them all at one time, <laughs> pay gobs of interest and penalties, uh, or they wait for the IRS to come after them and say, "Hey, you know, you owe us a ton of money, and uh, we're going to start taking that <laughs> out of your bank account unless you file tax returns." They
0: they usually don't don't uh, those type of clients usually don't uh, do anything until they get their bank account swiped or their are wait, garnished, and exactly. then they come in. <laughs>
1: That's exactly right. What What is it that motivates you?
0: Hmm.
1: Let me see. <laughs> kind of like, that motivates me to fix this problem.
0: <laughs> so, dude, there's been a lot of changes coming up for 2019, some big ones, right?
1: Yeah, you can say that again, man. And uh, I mean. Some of them are good, some of them are, good, of, are bad. And, uh,
0: so tell me what it, you think. I, I made a list of some. I, I know when I initially called you, I was talking about the uh, 20% for uh, pass-through entities. Yeah. So I figured we'll start with that one. But then there's so many other ones, things like standard deduction. Alimony is kind of cool, in my opinion. <laughs> the switch, we'll yeah, yeah. see how that ends up yeah. happening. Uh, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a bunch of different things. The the Affordable Care Act, no, no longer mandated. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that's changing in 2019. But well, I figured let's let start with like the... Uh, let me ask you yeah. about the
1: alimony since you mentioned that. So how much work do you think that's going to cause you as a tax preparer?
0: You know what? Off the top, it, it looks like a non-event. It looks like it's no longer deductible to the person who pays it, and then the recipient no longer has to claim it. Well, it's tax-free anyways. So I don't know. Is that still going to be a data yeah, well, entry that line? Begins,
1: Is that-, that begins in 2018, right? So now yeah. when you have a new tax client that walks in your office, Right? Now you have to add your organizer, if you have an organizer, which which many preparers don't, uh, you're going to have to ask a question. Are are you divorced and paying alimony? If if yes, when did you get divorced? What year did you get divorced? Because if they got divorced in 2017 and he's paying alimony, he's going to continue to pay alimony. The new law, well, this tax law change is only a fact, it's only, It only affects uh, divorces after, uh, I believe it's January 18 or December 18. I I forget on that one. I believe it kicked in in full in 19. I think it's the end of 18.
0: So after that, so does that mean that people are not going to pay alimony after that date? Or it's just that they're paying alimony, but it's not deductible after that date?
1: After that date, if you have to pay alimony, you can no longer deduct it. So if I got divorced in 2016 and I'm paying alimony, I'm going to continue to pay alimony and I'm going to continue to deduct, to deduct it on my tax return. But if I got divorced in 2018 and I have to pay alimony, well, still let me back up a second. So in 2016 I got divorced. I have pay, I, I, I paid alimony and I get a deduction for that alimony. However, my ex is required to report that on her tax return. Of course, all income goes on everybody's tax return.
0: Correct. Right.
1: So now, what they're saying is, um, which I kind of agree with, the end user, the person who's going to actually have constructive receipt of those funds, is going to be the person that's paying the tax on it. Right? So, right. starting in 2018, let's just, I have to double check this, the date, but let's just say, let's say this new tax law kicks in for for the, um, for alimony effective January 1, 2018. Um, I believe it's December thirty first, two thousand eighteen, but I gotta double check that. So, if you get divorced in two thousand eighteen and you're required to pay your spouse alimony, you can no longer deduct it on your tax return. And but the other spouse is still still responsible for reporting it on their tax return.
0: But it's tax free to the other spouse.
1: Yes. Um, so. No, I don't think
0: so. What, no, they're gonna claim it as income.
1: Uh, no, I don't. Um, somebody's got to pay tax on that money. Oh, yeah. That's you're right. what I was thinking.
0: The
1: spouse that paid it has already paid tax. Yeah, you're right. The spouse that paid it has already paid the tax, and, um, uh, and they don't get the deduction for it. So the payee... Yeah, pay so, is, so that's it. Um, is I'm,
0: assuming that, I'm assuming it'll show up like a Social Security where it'll have the taxable portion and non-taxable portion. It'll just show up on the inside of the 1040 rather than the outside.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that would be nice. Uh,
0: we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Who's
1: going to determine how much of a taxable we're
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's cool if you're the one receiving the alimony at this point. <laughs> it's obviously you're the one paying I mean, it. Exactly. <laughs>
1: which makes you wonder, which senator or which congressperson ended up getting divorced and got hit with a huge alimony bill? Yeah. Because, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, that prompts these type of changes.
0: Well, yeah, tax law, that's the reason why every tax law is so complicated because each rule has is, is been made to help out a specific group or individual.
1: Or individual lawmakers.
0: Right. So, well,
1: Just like everybody we said, else man, has you know, to what suffer. what is it that motivates us to get stuff done? <laughs> what Money. motivates them to get stuff done? If money's coming out of their pocket, they're going to get motivated to get something done.
0: Well, I'll tell you and what, it's the there, first thing. There's
1: one politician in Washington, D.C. that no longer has to. Uh, pay tax on alimony.
0: Right, <laughs> they're receiving a fat check tax free. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: So what about what, what about that pass-through entity? How does that work? Which one? The twenty uh, percent for the pass-through entities.
1: Okay. So under the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, there's a. Um, oh, let me find my little cheat sheet here. I was on here a second ago. There's a. It's, it's uh It's called the. Um, uh, what is it called? The highlights of the tax reform in business. So there's a 20% business credit. And um, basically what it means is you get the lesser of 20% of your net profit on your tax return or 20% of your taxable income as a deduction on your tax return if you have a qualifying business, right? Uh, Basically, it covers everybody. If you're married finally joined and you make under $315,000 and you have a qualified business on your tax return, you're going to get that credit one way or the other, right? Uh, that credit, if you're an S-Corp or you're a partnership or you're a sole proprietor, um, all those are qualified business incomes, estates, trusts. Basically the only one that's not is a C-Corporation. And um, and as long as you're making under three hundred fifteen thousand of taxable income, you're going to qualify for that credit. If you make over three hundred fifteen thousand, you might still qualify, but uh, qualify for the credit. And forgive me for using this credit because it's technically it's not a credit, um, but it's calculated similar to a credit. And you take that deduction on the tax return uh, in in the same area as the credit. So, I. By default, I call it a credit, I probably shouldn't because it's not the proper terminology. So the the 20% tax, business tax deduction, and um, it's code section 199A. So if you were to go to the IRS's website and just plug in 199A in the search box, you're going to see a whole bunch of different um, uh, frequently asked questions and information about this particular deduction. I think it's an absolutely wonderful deduction. Right? Of course. <laughs> uh, you really do. I mean what small businesses, you know what most people fail. The IRS says that you're you're supposed to make a profit in, in every three out of five years on your on your soul on your businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't, then the IRS may determine that you're not actually in business to to make a profit, but you, you're, so you're doing a hobby. You're a
0: hobby. Right. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So um I see many, many people every year they come in and they start their own businesses and they're a sole proprietorship or maybe some of them, you know, created an LLC already when, in my opinion, it was unnecessary at this at this stage in their business life. Um, but people start businesses every year and that's the backbone of our country. I, I, small business is the backbone of our country. Um, you know, it's not the Yahoo's and the, and the Googles and the... Uh, Cisco's and Apple's and it's like okay these are all huge massive corporations. They don't have anything to do with Joe Schmo American you know walking down, you know small town USA. Yeah we buy their phone. Yeah we use their internet service provider all that. But they don't do anything for us. They don't care about us. Small businesses generally uh, care more about their customers than big than big businesses. Why? Because they're small businesses and they can. They don't. They don't have the logistics of a big business to, to you know, and myself and yourself as examples for now. I know every single one of my clients, right? If I And I only do a couple hundred tax returns a year. So if I'm walking down the street and I see somebody, I'm going to know their first name, right? I don't yeah. forget their yeah. for tax. Right? Um, <laughs> but I make it a point to do that because I like to provide quality, personalized service to my clients to come across the table from me. And H&R Bond can't do that. Because they're not a small business, right? They're a big business. They're huge. Um, So to see Washington, D.C., and I'm going to try and keep any kind of political opinions out of this because I don't want to turn anybody off, which you will if you state one (laughs) position or the other. It doesn't really matter which one you're for or against. Uh, But the bottom line is whoever it was that that wrote this legislation and passed it, um, so far I like it right? It's on paper. Once we start seeing how it really looks like after we're preparing some tax returns, that's when we really find out if its intent is going to work, right? So right. the intent here I think was good because the intent here uh, between the 20% business deduction and there's also other things that go along with that, which are an increase in, this, in the 179 deduction, uh, 100%, 100% bonus depreciation, um, different things like that, which could definitely increase the annual cash flow of, of small businesses, uh, yeah, which is absolutely critical for the survivor of a small business. For a small business to survive, you have to have cash, right? You just have okay, to have the to margin- the-
0: yeah, the margins are already small as it is. Just keeping some of that, some of that disposable income in house is the difference between keeping an employee or adding the little benefits here and there or not closing your doors. I mean, really, it comes down to that. Twenty percent could be huge. That's,
1: that's exactly right. I mean, it 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 offers people the ability to to give a thousand dollar bonus. Right? Was it Walmart did that or so? I forget who did that. Um, somebody came out right after this bill was passed and gave every one of their employees a thousand dollar bonus. Now that may not sound like money to a lot of people, but you know, my book a thousand bucks is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: it goes a long way, especially during the Christmas season, man. I mean, I mean, bonuses, Christmas parties, those types of things. I mean, they're 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 huge for morale. They're huge for keeping your you know your company culture in the right direction. You know, every, everything from you know, it may, you're right. It's it's not a lot, but it makes a difference.
1: It does. It does. It's gonna help especially if, if it's around Christmas time, you know, who can't use an extra thousand bucks around Christmas time?
0: Well, if they can't, they can send it my way. My email address is hernonattransverse.com. <laughs> <You know, laughs> I mean,
1: this, uh, this tax law changes, so far, I like it. One of the things that I'm curious to see in, in this one, materialize probably for at least a couple more years, is does it actually pay for itself?
0: Yeah, and That's ultimately what it's gonna come down to if it's gonna last a long time.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Well, you know it's temporary, right? So when they pass these things, there's. Um, I, I think the the longest they can pass a bill is for six years, and then it has to go up to the Senate for another vote. So. Like, yeah, this one this one's through
0: right? 2025. Is that one it is? Yeah, this one uh, the 20% tax bill. Well, it goes into effect 2018 through 2025.
1: Yeah, so that's uh, five, yes, seven years. So yes, seven years, now six years.
0: Sure.
1: Yeah. yeah, so in 2025, 20 uh, our senators in D.C. will have to figure out if they want to keep it or not.
0: <laughs> if they want to keep their seat or not. <laughs> so exactly. Uh, well, you know, it's kind of like,
1: you know, with taxes, it's, it's, uh, you do something that you think is going to work, and then you can evaluate it after a few years to see if it actually works or not, unlike our politicians. Yeah. Politicians go to D.C. and they do whatever the hell they want to do, regardless of what they told us they were going to do, to vote for them to get them to go there,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: So they have their own agenda, and we don't Speaking have any of the, of that agenda. Right. To
0: see. Sleazy, sleazy salesman at its finest.
1: You know it, man. You know it. <laughs> so I'd like to see All some right. young in there. and uh, but Some
0: spark of change, right?
1: You know it. You know it. All right. But I like this next one, You there's quite a few. You know, you know what I found interesting during tax season is in my tax uh, in my tax software. Um, I have a, a little worksheet on my tax software that shows uh, once I prepared my 2017 tax return, um, I have a worksheet. It's called the Tax Reform Impact Summary, which takes the exact same tax return that I just prepared for my client for 17, and it and it shows a side-by-side comparison of 2017 and what 2018 would look like had we prepared this exact same tax return for 2018,
0: right? Ooh, that's nice.
1: It's, it's really nice, and I've gone over it with every one of my clients this year, and some of them are interested, and some of them aren't interested. But there's a couple a couple of key changes that's going to affect everybody. It's number one, of course, they did away with the per, the personal exemption, right, which is a little over yeah. 4,000 reduction we all had. That stinks. I but hate they- to see that
0: that does suck, especially with uh, families with large amounts of kids
1: exactly exactly that and then the uh, ten thousand dollars limitation on on taxes paid uh, on on the schedule A itemized itemized deduction form that' the
0: uh, that's the salt right state local and uh exactly well, yeah, state local tax
1: property taxes exactly so that kind of stinks but with that in with that in mind. What I found interesting, and this happened more often than not, is that um, when you go down the tax return, when I go down my tax, retu- my tax returns, I do it in a systematic way with, with every one of my clients. And The first thing we do is we go over their, a summary of their income, right, and it, whether it be wages or dividend income or capital gains income or, or sole proprietor income or pensions or whatever, uh, income is income. So we go over that first. And then we go over any adjustments that we may make to that, like self-employment tax or or um, student loan interest or anything like that for uh, uh, traditional IRA contributions, that good kind of stuff. And then we go on to the itemized deductions if the taxpayer is actually itemizing and not taking a standard deduction. Uh, and then after the deductions, after, after the, either the itemized or standard deduction, then we get into the calculation of the tax computation, what your taxable income is and how, what you actually owe in tax liability.
0: And then right.
1: Well, let me you pause you use- right there.
0: Let me pause you right there because the the standard deduction—that's one of the changes. It is, yes. Right. I mean, you have a lot of people. Well, I don't know about your client base, but I'm gonna—I know I'm gonna have a lot of people that used to itemize that are probably not gonna itemize anymore. They're gonna take oh, the know, standard deduction because it's, be it's doubling it. all over the country. Yeah, I, I heard an estimation somewhere around ninety percent of uh, taxpayers are no longer gonna itemize. Wow. That, I I don't know how correct that stat is, but that's a lot if that's true.
1: That is a lot. Well,
0: um, it'll know, save you some explanation on the on the uh, computation there <laughs> when you get to the itemizer standard deduction. Well, guess what? You don't itemize anymore.
1: <laughs> well, that can be true and that can be false, right? So for a married family joint, the, the standard or the uh, standard deduction is what twenty four grand starting in eighteen, right? Yes.
0: 24.
1: Dollars for married filing joint. Now that's for federal, right? Right. But California didn't have a tax reform impact summary this year. California right. didn't. So have they don't a tax reform. So you may not, you may be taking the standard deduction for federal and So just because it's no longer advantageous for them to do the long form or itemized deductions, doesn't mean we can't do it for California.
0: Right, because just because so California is not isn't yeah, you right.
1: Actually, it's not going to make our life easier at all. It's going to make it more difficult.
0: Because now right? we have so dual explanation.
1: <laughs> exactly. We now have an obligation to explain to our client, look, it's going to be more beneficial for you to take a standard deduction for federal and itemize for California. Uh, it is right? But how do we know that until we do the math? We have to do the math to see if that's worthwhile.
0: <clears throat> well, so that's going to be I'm
1: kind of interesting. Know what- season. I know I told all um, if if you itemize this year, bring in all your itemized deductions next year. Let me do the math, uh, and we'll see what what w- which way comes out best for you, because they're different, and we have that luxury. uh uh we, yeah, we have so that at least able to, to right?
0: compute to and figure out which one's the most advantageous for the client.
1: Exactly, and what I was what I was kind of alluding to a little while ago is when when I go over that. When I go over that list of items uh, reviewing the tax return with my clients, uh, we did it with the actual 2017 tax return and then we did it with the tax reform impact summary for 2018. And I would tell them, I'd say, hey, look, if we were preparing this tax return next year instead of this year, this is what it would look like. And the part that I found interesting is that more often than not, the client would have had more taxable income in 2018 than they would have in 2017, which makes sense, right? You did away with a $4,000 personal exemption, so if you're married, that's $8,000 in deductions you're losing right there, right? Yeah. Um, they did away with uh, in, more than $10,000 in tax deductions on your, on your Schedule A. So there's two, two pretty critical things right off the bat that are going to increase your taxable income because they're eliminating deductions that you had in the past.
0: However, yeah, they're taking away.
1: Most of my clients, though, when I look at the taxable income comparison from this year to last year, from 17 to 18, 18 taxable income was higher than 17. That makes sense. But the difference was the total tax liability was less than 18 than it was in 17.
0: That's because of the rate changes?
1: Bingo. Exactly. And I, and I would actually turn my computer monitor to my clients and say, so, Hey, guys, can you explain to me what happened here? How is it you could actually have more taxable income in 2018 than you did in 2017, but you owe less tax? How does that happen? And then they say, I don't know. That's what we're paying you for, right? (laughs) Like, oh, okay, I'll explain it to you. (laughs) And then I pull out my handy-dandy little cheat sheet that shows the tax tables and say, look, this is a tax table not only did they eliminate some of these deductions that we had in the past they increased the standard deduction they they eliminated the the personal exemption uh at least for kids you'll get a 500 hundred dollar tax credit if your kids are dependent on a tax return so you're not losing the whole thing for the kids but you do for the parents the personal
0: exemption.
1: but now what we're doing is we're taking that taxable income and back in the old days we used to have to go to the post office and get your little tax booklet right and then you'd grab your W-2s and you figure out what your taxable income is. And, and then you'd have to go to the little chart in the book and read from top, down, left to right, and find out this is my taxable income, this is my tax liability, boom, right there. And then, uh, and that's the way we used to do it in the past. Of course, now computers do all that for us. But that tax table changed in addition to the other things that changed, and it changed for the better for us.
0: Yeah, it makes all the
1: I think generally, but it's less. They went down but by two percent, like right? Didn't each of the yeah. yeah, each of the tax brackets I think went down by a whopping two percent, which doesn't sound like a whole lot of money. Um, but more often than not, in my summary with my clients, I just found it interesting that you would have more taxable income but owe less in tax liability. And every time I saw that, I got a cat. A smile came across my face.
0: <laughs> <like that>. Ta da! <laughs> <laughs> that that, that that's that's the writers. magician. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got one more for us to end. Uh we talked about this one before, you and I, but uh mortgage uh interest deduction is changing. So they capped it at the seven hundred and fifty of acquisition costs. Um and then there's all kinds of wording in there about being a line of credit, no longer deductible, but it it is and it isn't, right?
1: Equity debt is no longer tax deductible on the Schedule A, right? So if it's a rental property and it goes on the Schedule E, that's not affected. But so the big more a couple mortgage interest changes with this tax law changes. Number one, you're right, acquisition debt was was reduced from a million down to down to seven hundred fifty thousand. Now, if I can, I'd like to kind of explain the difference, right? So when you own, there's two types. There's two types of debt you can own, you can have on your home acquisition debt and equity debt. Acquisition debt is debt that is incurred when you buy, build, or significantly improve your principal residence. Used to be limited to a million dollars, now it's limited to 750 beginning in 2018. So if you bought a house in 2018 and you paid $749,000 for that house, you get to deduct all of your mortgage interest, no questions asked. If you buy a house for $755,000 in 2018, You have to do a calculation, or your tax person has to do a calculation. The $5,000 that exceeds the $750,000, the mortgage interest you pay on that $5,000, you can no longer deduct. That's the acquisition part of it, right? Right. So acquisition debt used to buy, build, or significantly improve your principal residence. Equity debt is any debt that's secured by your home that's not acquisition debt.
0: So these are lines of credit that you went out and bought a car, you went on vacation exactly. on, or whatever.
1: So, so you got a home, and people did this in, in, uh, in the heyday of the real estate market right before the bubble, as people would take an equity out of the home. I'm not kidding, dude. I, I had a guy refinance his house 15 times. 15 <laughs> times to take equity out of his house. Unbelievable. And, uh, so, but the nature of the debt isn't the name of the loan. The nature of the debt is what did you do with the money? So, right. if I got a house that I paid six hundred thousand dollars for, and I go out and I put, put a hundred thousand dollar kitchen remodel in the house, and I took a loan out for that hundred grand, is that acquisition debt or is that equity debt?
0: That is acquisition.
1: Bingo. Because it's acquisition. you're improving. Why is it acquisition? You're improving
0: the, the prop. You're improving the the property.
1: Not only improving, but you're extending the life of the property, right? So there's a different in, in the in the rental world, in the real estate world. The, the the big question is, can I deduct it? Can I expense it, or do I have to amortize it or depreciate it, right? That's been the big yeah. question forever. Is, oh my God, what? If, how do I get this deduction, right? We want the dedu- We want the deduction today because it's going to be more advantageous to take it all at one time today instead of amortizing it or depreciating it over, over a certain period. So. Uh, with acquisition debt, uh, it used to be we could did, we we had a hundred grand, right? So, back, we're going back in the '70s sometime now. We used to be able to deduct uh, credit card interest on our tax returns. And uh, the government came out and said we're no longer going to allow people to deduct mortgage interest or uh, credit card interest. I'm sorry, we're no longer going to allow people to deduct credit card interest. But as a consolation, what we will allow you to do is take up to a hundred grand equity out of your home. And you can use that $100,000 for anything you want, and then you can deduct it on your tax return. So that's yeah, what people have been doing over the years, you know, because you got a $100,000 limit there that you got to work with. So, you know, if you want to go out and you buy that new car, or you want to go out and take that family vacation, you've always been able to do it, and you and you, you could deduct the interest on it until now. Now, I, don't, I honestly have no idea what the catalyst for that particular change was because I don't think there's that much... I don't, I don't know why the change was. But, but the bottom line was they eliminated the equity debt deduction completely for personal residences, right? It, it's still applicable yeah. for rental properties or business entities because that's a business debt. That's not personal, personal debt. Because
0: it's in the production of income.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, you're right. And I have quite a few people uh, in my book of business that still have equity line of credit that we're no longer going to be able to deduct next year. So, some of those people are in for rude awakenings, and I had a conversation with every one of my clients, I, you know, um, every single person that came in and every single person I, you know, I talked to on the phone because I got clients all over the country, so some of them I do via my portal, and some of them I do email, and, you know, some snail mail and all that good stuff, but even with my out-of-state clients, I still go over their tax return with them telephonically once they get the packet, once they actually get their tax return, Um and if they had equity debt, I emphasize, look, you're losing that tax deduction next year. And now is it going to affect you? Well, it might and it might not. You know standard deduction is now twelve thousand for individual or twenty four thousand for a married couple. So if that twenty four thousand is more if you're married, if that twenty four grand is more than what we were deducting before, you're not gonna you're you're still gonna benefit on your tax return.
0: See, and this is why. I come to Ray for the more difficult questions so he can convolute my mind with vague answers <laughs> that aren't always 100% answers, but they at least point me in the right direction.
1: <laughs> well, you know, well, as you know, buddy, nobody knows all the answers in the tax world, man, so we all have to no, have
0: yeah, and Yeah, and, and, and honestly, dude, first of all, I mean, I want to thank you for coming on the show answering, uh, I mean, taxes are always, like you said, they're always tough questions. And my favorite, you know, when I when I was teaching tax school, my favorite thing to tell, you know, young tax preparers is your, the best answer you can have at your side is well, it depends, because that's, that's <laughs> that gives you answer. the wiggle room. Every single one of the questions, so every single one of your questions, the answer will always be well, it depends. So uh, that's that's kind of the the rule in taxes. But but that's why when when I have a question, I, I like to at least you know. Call you up and bounce some ideas off you. Even if I don't get the answer I'm looking for, it gives me a either either a, you know I'm heading in the right direction or I need to do some more research. And you know uh, everybody should you know have those questions with their with their tax preparer. By the way, if you want anybody to reach out to you, do you want to give out your information?
1: Uh yeah, you can go to my website professionaltaxservice.com. And uh, I do taxes, I do financial planning, so if anybody's interested in doing uh, 401Ks, IRAs, Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, any kind of investments, uh, uh, I do comprehensive financial planning where we can put together a comprehensive financial plan and uh, and give you a roadmap on where, where you're at today, where you want to get to in retirement, and how you're going to get there and uh plus
0: plus might i add that i actually go to your website to pull some little cheat sheets every once in a while when i need stuff because you got go, <laughs> a, a lot of nice resources there
1: thanks brother i appreciate that man uh, you know it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it's hard taxes are hard enough right so if you can create something that's going to make them a little bit easier every little thing helps you know so absolutely keep track of your income and expenses helps significantly and and I throw it out there. You know, I don't care if people plagiarize it. You know, they can take it. They can use it. They can do whatever they want with it. I don't care as long as it helps them.
0: <clears throat> Always being of service, dude. That's why I love you. <laughs> well, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right, Ray. Well, thank you for your time. I don't want to take up any more of your time. I appreciate you being on the podcast with me and, uh, you know, taking one of our normal conversations. Yes, yes, listeners, I actually do go out and talk about uh, taxes. I know it's not the most interesting topic, but it, it it tickles my fancy every once in a while. So, so I'll go out and, uh, and you know talk to Ray every now and again. So thanks, man. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Oh no problem, man. We'll have to continue this on the golf course one of these days.
0: Absolutely, or at least on the golf cart, because you know I don't. I'm not a, a very good golfer, but <laughs> the golf cart is a fun spot. <laughs> oh man, you
1: know it. All right, Hernan, you take care, buddy.
0: All right, have a good one. Bye bye.